0: I want to start
1: by sharing a quick story. There was a father who told his son to, um, kind of as a way to warn him or to provide motivation because of bad behavior that he'd been exhibiting for a while, told his son that if he did not stop misbehaving, that he would actually send him into the attic to sleep with only bread and water for his supper. Of course, the child disobeyed once again, and so true to his word, the dad sent him to the attic but the father could not eat all through the night. Why? Because his son was on his mind and in his heart. Sensing his struggle, his wife said to him, I know what you're thinking, but you cannot bring the boy back from the attic because then he's going to disobey you again. He's not going to have any respect for what you say. So you cannot cheapen your relation as his father by failing to keep your promise. To which the dad then said, well, you know what, you're right. I won't break my word because it would cause him to lose his respect for my word but he is so lonely up there. And with that, he kissed his wife goodnight. He entered into the attic. He ate bread and water with the boy. And when the child went to sleep on the hard floor, his father's arm was his pillow. I believe this morning that there is no greater comfort, friends, in knowing that a holy, perfect God chose to love sinful humanity, that chose to reach out to sinful humanity, and that he did so by stepping into our shoes that's what Christmas is all about. In two weeks, we're going to be celebrating Christmas. It's going to be Christmas Day in two weeks. And, you know, as I said last week, for many in our culture, Christmas is all about gifts, it's all about decorations, it's all about festivities, it's all about music. And for many, it, it's, it's, it's not, it's, there's nothing beyond that or those. Um, they look forward to the festivity that surrounds Christmas. And yet, we are reminded in the scriptures that. Christmas would not be Christmas without Christ. Christmas would not be Christmas without Christ. And it is important for us as believers that we do not get caught up or so wrapped up in the emotion of the season that we forget ourselves what Christmas is all about. In fact, as you remember when we did our previous series in defense of our faith, part of our responsibility is to champion the real reason for the season, and that in the midst of all of the other things that we get to do in this time of the year, that we never forget that Christmas is always about Christ. We're talking about the incarnate, in which we're examining the topic of the incarnation, that is the doctrine that Christ took on flesh and blood, or God took on flesh and blood, excuse me, to become fully man, while remaining fully God. And last week, if you did not get a chance, if you're not with us last week, we, as I mentioned, we've mentioned um, previously, we have uh, uh, previous messages from previous weeks available on our podcast, various platforms that you can utilize. Um, But I would encourage you to go back and and listen to last week's message um, on the, the, the topic of Christ being the savior that you and I needed. Why is Christ the savior we needed? But what I want to do today is focus on Why Christ came specifically as a man and to do that we're gonna have to go back to the very first announcement of the Son of God's birth to the woman named Mary so please turn your Bibles with me to the book of Luke chapter 1 and I'm gonna read from verse 26 to verse 25 Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse 26 the writer of Luke says in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee To a virgin that was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and he said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, because you have found favor with God. You will conceive and you will give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus Christ. And he will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How would this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. To which the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So that the one who is to be born will be called the son of god the angel referred to christ the birth of christ as the as the birth of one who is holy and will be called the son of god there are two key points that i want to point out at least that stick to me when i when i look at the scripture that we just read two key points regarding the angel's announcement to mary about the child that she was going to deliver number one that unlike any other human being that ever lived the angel noted that this child's conception would be supernatural. It would not be a natural birth, it would not be a natural conception, excuse me. It would be a supernatural conception, why? Because it was the Holy Spirit that would come over her and would um, enable her to be able to give birth or have this child. But number two, that the name that this child was to be given, remember the angel specifically said, you are to call him what? You are to call him what? Everybody say Jesus. The angel said to Mary, you are to call this child Jesus. Why? Why did the angel suggest that this child was to be called Jesus? And I'll explain to you. Because what we're gonna discover in the name Jesus is this, that it is both an assessment of the human condition, but it is also a revelation of this child's mission. In calling this child Jesus, it was both to bring to our attention the assessment of our own condition and the reason why this child was being sent to the earth. The name Jesus means Savior. That's what it basically means, Savior. Or uh, another definition of Jesus is uh, Jehovah is salvation. That's the other meaning of the name Jesus. Why is this worth our attention? Because the term Savior not only implies that there are those who need to be rescued from a situation that they are powerless to address. But what it also does is it means that there is another who is capable of doing the rescuing. So in other words, God presents to us this, 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 this picture of a need that, 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 that is so much greater than just the mere birth of a child. But that this child that was being born was coming for the specific purpose of rescuing those who could not rescue themselves. In other words, by announcing the birth of Jesus, the angel was saying, God is saying to you and I that he wasn't simply seeking to reveal our dilemma because of sin, the, the position that sin puts us in. The position of uh, 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 d- uh, disconnect or separation from God, the sin puts us in, but that God was also offering a very unique and a very personal solution to our dilemma. That's what Jesus represents. God's provision of a solution to the problem that we have. I believe that by becoming fully human, Christ came to be the great mediator between God and us. Why? Because the Bible tells us that there is no way that you and I could be reconciled to God on our own. There was no amount of good works, there was no amount of righteous living that you and I could do that would be enough to meet up with the standard that God has set. Why? Because God's standard is perfect. And in order for us to be able to have a relationship with God, then that very thing that had stood between us and God had to be addressed. And it could not be uh, 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 an ordinary human being coming to address that. God himself had to step into flesh and blood and to do what we could not do on our own. Over the next remaining weeks leading up to Christmas, we're gonna be examining the Bible's answer to the following question, why did Jesus come as a man? And I wanna just share with you three quick points this morning. We don't have a lot of time today, but I'll do my best to try to get through these three as quickly as as we can. The first reason I believe that Christ came as a man is this, to reveal a holy and righteous God to a sinful and to a wayward people. I want you to hear what John chapter one verse 18 says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father. It is he who has made him known. The Bible tells us that throughout you know, history, God has revealed himself in various ways and in various, various situations and circumstances, but only through Christ do we see the very nature, the essence, and the character of God most visibly displayed. And God does so because He wants to paint for us this picture of the contrast between we who have, who have been impacted by sin, corrupted by sin, and God who is perfect, holy, and righteous. And in doing so, He and, and in order to do that, He had to send His Son into our world to take our flesh and blood. You Notice know, the Scripture tells us that in, in many instances that Christ was tempted, much like we are tempted. Yes, remember that encounter He had with Satan when He went into the wilderness to. Fast for 40 days and nights and he came out and the Bible says that he, was, he was hungry, yes? Like any human being would, he was hungry. And Satan thought he could take advantage of, of his weakness, of his vulnerability, and he tried to tempt him, but notice that Christ never gave in. He didn't give in. He always countered every excuse Satan would use to try to get him to, to do what was not pleasing to God. But, but what I love about that encounter is the fact that it helps us to realize that that, that, that Christ is for us that example of what it truly means to be holy and to be righteous. Something that you and I can never attain on our own. And that because Christ came as a man, in doing so, He reveals to us who God is and what God is like. And He invites you and I to then enter into a relationship with Him. Why? Because He's the one that knows the Father. And the only way we can know the Father is by, by knowing Him. So when Christ came on the earth, He came to reveal a holy and righteous God to a sinful and we people. And how necessary it was for us to know God. You know, I think about all of the different religions on the planet and, you know, and, and friends, there are thousands. We, we, we may know maybe a handful of we maybe We may claim to know 50 or there are thousands of different religions. And what it tells you is that people sense in their hearts without knowing how to express it. But they sense that there is a greater being. There's a, a higher being and they want to connect with that being. There's a longing to connect with God, but they don't know how to. And so what's happened is over the, over, the, over, the, over the course of human history, man has come up with different ways of trying to connect with God. But the Bible makes it clear to us that there is only one way we can know God. And that way is through Christ. Why? Because He is God Himself. And so in order for you and I to know this God, then we need Christ. And, and for, for God to be revealed to us as He really is, then Christ had to come so that He may reveal God as He truly is. But not only do we... Understand this morning that Christ came to reveal a holy and righteous God to a sinless and wayward people. But also, friends, Christ came to fulfill God's promise to raise a descendant of David to establish an eternal rule. In Jeremiah 23, verse 4 to verse 6, you know, we talked about Isaiah last week. And... Uh, the, the prophecy that he gave about the coming Messiah and what he was coming to do and of course that was what we used to illustrate the idea of, of, of why Christ is the Savior that we needed, the Redeemer we needed. But in Jeremiah, Jeremiah also foretells about the coming of the Messiah and why Christ would come and part of his, his, his prophecy about the Messiah was that he would come to fulfill the promise that God had made to raise up from out of Abraham's lineage one who would also continue the rule that was established many years later centuries later by David himself in Jeremiah 23 verse 4 listen listen to what the prophet says I would place and he's speaking for God I would place shepherds over them who would tend them and they will no longer be afraid or be terrified nor will any be missing declares the Lord for the days are coming everybody say coming Notice that this was hundreds of years before Christ showed up on the scene. The prophet through the Lord says, The days are coming when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. Let me give you a little bit of context. At this particular point in time, the people of Israel were in probably one of their lowest states. Not just spiritually, but even just culturally um, as a nation. I mean, they were divided. There There was so much discord. I mean, they were not in a good place. Um, At this point, you know, many of the people had been taken into exile because of years and years of rebellion that God had warned them against and they would not listen. And so God would raise up an an opposing nation that would come and would oppress them, would take many of them into into slavery. But God always reminded his people that he would restore, that he would not leave them in that state and condition, even though, yes, it broke his heart that, that he would have to bring judgment for their rebellion. God never abandoned the covenant he had made with these people. And so God said that, that, that as the people of Israel were longing for the days when under the reign of King David and others like him who served the Lord that, that God blessed the nation and, and they saw the nation flourish and thrive, that God said once again I will raise up a, a seed of David. He described him as a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land and he, in his days. Judah will be saved and Israel will, be, will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord, our righteous Savior. Understand that he's not referring to any man. He's not, because the title of the Lord, or righteous Savior, is not a title that, that any man deserves. He's referring to the one that he will raise up, the one that he will send, who will, who will fulfill the promise that he had made to David, that he out of his branch, out of his seed, he will raise a righteous judge. Remember that in the angel's um, conversation with Mary, he says to her, and I want you to listen to what he says, specifically in verse 32, He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. So again, what we see the angel doing is he is coming to Mary and saying to Mary, Mary, the birth of this child will be a fulfillment of the promise that God had made centuries before that he would raise a descendant of David to establish not a temporary rule but an eternal rule. Now, here's the issue is that when Christ came, many did not see him as the Messiah. Why? Because he did not fit their picture of what the Messiah was supposed to be. Their, their, their expectation of the Messiah was that he would be this, 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 uh, this. Uh, strategic personality, a military mind, a, a, a born ruler or a leader who would come and he would liberate the people of Israel from their Roman oppressors. That's why there were some, you know, considered zealots who initially were, were for Christ, but, but, but the, the only reason they followed him was because they, were, they, they, had, they had political aspirations in following him. There were many who expected that the Messiah would come and He would liberate them from their Roman oppressors and yet Christ came to, He he wanted to understand that the, 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 the liberation He came to bring about was not a political kind of liberation which is temporary. He came to bring about a spiritual liberation which is eternal. But it was still in fulfillment of the promise that He made that He would raise up a descendant of David to establish an eternal rule. God is spirit is what the Bible tells us. How else could God, Raise up a branch that would rule and establish an eternal kingdom if he didn't send his son to to, to the earth christ came to fulfill that promise and then finally this morning christ came to be humanity's perfect substitute to pay the penalty owed for our sins again you look at the name jesus and the angel said it means savior the name christ means jesus means savior why did we need to be saved In Hebrews 10, verse 4 to verse 10, the writer of Hebrews, and we believe it is the Apostle Paul, he reminds the believers of what it was like before Christ came. The law that had been established that required that the people of Israel would have to offer sacrifices, animals would have to be killed, um, as a way of, of, of seeking forgiveness. And the idea behind these animal sacrifices wasn't to suggest that these animals were uh, were taking the sins or paying for the sins of the people, it was to illustrate the idea that sin is deadly, that sin has a price. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the garden and God kicked them out of that garden, the Bible says that God had to do what he had to clothe them. Where do you think those clothes came from? Something had to die. And from the moment of the fall to this day, we are constantly reminded around us. Of the consequence of sin. Sin costs. Sin is deadly. Sin always takes. Sin never gives. And so the Bible shows us that that even though God had required that the people of Israel have to provide, uh, uh, you know, uh, sacrifice animals um, as an offering to the Lord, but it was to illustrate the fact that sin costs. But then notice what the writer says in verse 4. He's saying that in spite of, of these sacrifices that God instituted, it is impossible It is impossible, let me say it again, it is impossible, God says, for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So that was never the point, it was never about taking away sins. Maybe for the Israelites, maybe that's what they thought, that it's it's to take away sin, but God said it it would never take away sin, you are still guilty. Therefore, the writer says, when Christ came into the world, He said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, But a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. And in verse 8, first he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire. nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. And he set aside the first, catch this, to establish the second not that he was suggesting that God made a mistake in establishing the first rule but he was saying is that that first rule was a precursor to the second That the previous requirement of presenting bulls and lambs and and pigeons and birds as sacrifice was a precursor to the ultimate sacrifice that Christ himself would make. Notice what he says. He set aside the first to establish the second and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The writer of Hebrews says, that the reason that Christ came in bodily form is so that he might be the perfect substitute to paying the penalty owed for our sins. The Bible makes it clear that you and I owed, sin, owed God a debt we could not pay. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much good we try to do, even if you kept a checklist of all the good you've ever done, it would still fall short of God's righteous standard. But yet the Bible says that we needed to be rescued. Why? Because our sins needed to be paid for. Sin is a debt we cannot expect that God is just going to ignore or overlook or be like, eh, don't worry about it, I'll I'll figure it out. No, no, sin had to be dealt with. And God could not look to you and I to pay for our own sins because if we had to pay for our sins, here's what it would mean, friends, that we we would be separated from God. Paying for our own sins meant that we would be separated from God. And yet the Bible says that God's love for you and I was so great that He would not allow us to be separated. Because He didn't create us to be separated from Him. He created us to know Him, to have a relationship with Him. So in order for our sin debt to be paid, a debt we could not pay ourselves, He had to pay it. A holy, perfect, righteous God who, yes... You know, he, who knows no sin and has established a, 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 a plan or a process to deal with sin said I will do what you cannot do for yourself and he sent his son Jesus Christ and Christ came and even though he identifies with us in the sense that he was tempted like we are tempted every day the Bible says he never gave in to sin he resisted sin, temptation every single time he never fell. He never gave into the, 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 the tendencies and the struggles that we tend to fall into. And for that reason, he became our perfect substitute. So that by dying on the cross, by paying, by, by paying with his life, the, the pay payment that we were supposed to pay. And then by being risen from the dead, friends. Now the forgiveness that would only have happened because somebody that was perfect died in our place is available to us now. So when Jesus died on the cross, he made forgiveness available. So that I can turn to God and say God I recognize that what Christ did on the cross he did in my place because it was something I could not do if I died on that cross if I had to pay for my sins I'd be lost forever but God thank you that you stepped in my place you gave your life to pay for my sins and you rose from the dead so that in place of the punishment I deserve now I have what I did not earn I have grace, I have mercy, I have, I, have, I have new life, I have forgiveness, I have a new identity, I am your child, I'm no longer your enemy, I'm no longer alienated from you, and now I'm connected to you, but it's not because of my own effort to be righteous or to be right, but it's because of what Christ did on the cross. Friends, Jesus had to come, why? Because he was the only perfect substitute for our forgiveness. Any other way, friends, and we would be lost forever. So for me, as I said to you last week, I'll say it again, Christmas means so much more than just decorations and lights and gifts. It means so much more than any of those things. Why? Because I realized, friends, if we did not have Christ, we would not have Christmas. Christmas is really an opportunity for us to celebrate the incarnate, the one who came into our world and gave his life for you and I. And and what better way, friends, to celebrate Christmas What better way to see Christ celebrated than to proclaim that to everyone that's around us and to let them know, friends, Jesus is indeed the reason for the season. I believe, friends, that God sent his son into this world so that you and I might have a way to have a relationship with him. Otherwise, we would not have any prospect. And I'm grateful for what God did, that in revealing our guilt, he offered a personal solution. He offered himself. And he said, put your trust in me. Believe on me and you shall be saved. If you hear this morning, you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Realize today that, that, you know, following Christ is not about a religion, it's not about um, some uh, exercise of of, uh, spiritual piety that we're asking to. We're asking you to embrace a relationship that God made possible because He sent His Son to die on the cross for you. You were created for relationship with God. That's why you were created. You weren't created to just simply exist and, and make of your life whatever you deem it should be, and then one day you die and that's it, you cease to exist. No, you were created to know God. You were created to be with God forever. And the ability to be with God forever, friends, is based on what Christ did on the cross. The Bible says if we embrace what He did and recognize that He did it on our behalf, and we accept that He did it on our behalf, recognizing that there's nothing we can do to earn salvation or approval with God, the Bible says that forgiveness is ours because we put our faith and trust in Christ and His finished work on the cross and we are given a new identity in Christ. So if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, trust me, there is no more important decision that you can make than that. There's no more important step you can take than that to say, Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I believe you came for me and that you gave your life for me. And I want to be a child of God from this day forward. I want to invite everyone to buy hands with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today, God, for the opportunity we have to just pause and look at the big picture of why you sent your son to this world. God, there was no other way. There was no other way than that you would take on flesh and blood, come into this world, and ultimately give your life for us god where whereas it is easy for many lord to separate christ from this season that we're in father we we are reminded lord that we cannot that it is christ that gives that gives definition to the season that we're in and god i pray for every believer here today that god we would always walk in that, that awareness lord of, of of this great gift called salvation that we've experienced because we know christ and that God, would always seek, Lord, to work out that salvation every day with fear and trembling, God. That we would, Father, seek to know you better and better, grow closer to you, Father. And that, Lord, in that walk with you, God, the Lord, our lives will continue to be transformed, Father, from within. So that who we are, Father, shows the world who you are and helps them to also come to know Christ as well. And God, I thank you for whomever may be here who sitting under the sound of my voice that does not know Jesus Christ and yet father the word shows us today clearly that, that you sent your son to redeem us because you created us for relationship father there is nothing that we can do on our own god to make that relationship happen but you took initiative father you left heaven you came down to earth in the form of your son jesus our savior gave his life on the cross and through him we can be forgiven of sin the penalty is paid the Bible says that when we, put our, when we believe in his name, that he gives us the right to be called children of God. Father, thank you this morning that, that the right to become your children is made possible because of what Christ did on the cross. And that God, whomever that may be today, God, who will say right now, I want to accept Christ into my heart. I want to be his, his follower. I, I want to serve him. I want to live for him, Father, that the Lord, you will meet them in the place and point of need right now. And that God, you will bring salvation to those who believe today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, for the sake of those whoever it may be that wants to accept Christ, maybe for the first time or you want to recommit your heart to the Lord, you realize that maybe you've allowed you know a relationship with God to become nothing more than just religious expression, obligation, a sense of duty, but you recognize that God is calling you to a deep, passionate, a growing relationship with Him. And you desire that. You desire to return back to Him as your first love. God will welcome you. If you cry out to Him today, repentance and faith. But for the benefit of those who would do so, I want to ask everyone to pray this prayer with us as we, as I encourage those who are seeking to surrender to the Lord, to also pray, meaning in your heart, as you commit your life to the Lord today, and believe that God will respond to your cry of faith today, and that God will change you, He will save you, He will deliver you. So let's pray this morning. Dear Jesus, thank you for today, and for this opportunity you are giving me right now, to make things right with you. I acknowledge today that you love me and that you demonstrated that love by sending your son Jesus. And that Jesus, when he came, came to identify with me, ultimately came to give his life for me. And I thank you that through his sacrifice, my sins are paid for. And in in a place of slavery to sin, I've been given freedom in Christ. And so I embrace that freedom today by placing my trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and for a change in my life. I belong to you, God. I desire to live for you from this day forward. And I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit that you will enable me to walk with you and to grow to know you and to become more like you thank you for this opportunity and thank you for changing my life from this point forward for we ask these things in jesus name amen